Imagine if you ran into somebody who'd been traveling through the same small town where one of your relatives lives, and upon asking if they'd seen them, how they were, well, receiving this slightly awkward response of, have you heard? Heard what? Heard about their news? Obviously not. After which you hear the quite strange story of your older cousin's husband going down to Jerusalem, it being his yearly time to serve in the temple, during which his lot was drawn and after which he disappeared into the holy place. Disappeared being the operative word. He just didn't come out. Finally, when he did, and here's the beginning of the strangeness of the story, he was entirely mute and looked like he'd seen a ghost or an apparition or an angel, perhaps. His wide-eyed gesturing seemed to indicate the latter. After which he'd eventually gone home to the hill country, after which, and here finally is the big news, your cousin Elizabeth, for the first time in her long life, is going to have a baby. The friend who's been telling you this walks off. You walk home pondering. Arriving home, there is nobody there. The lamps are trimmed for the evening meal. You assume your mother and father have gone out upon some errand. You take up a broom and begin sweeping the dusty floor. You can hear the townspeople returning to their homes after their work days. There's a peacefulness to the dusk light outside your windows. And you're in that place where your motion doing the sweeping and the movement of your thoughts, thinking of that story of your cousin, puts you into one of those mental spaces where everything in the world feels miles away. The whisking sound of the broom against the floor, the picture in your mind of Zachariah and Elizabeth's joyful new life, have you feeling a, a lovely feeling of calm, content, peaceful happiness? In fact, you are just beginning to think of telling the story to your fiancé, Joseph, thinking of how he will be delighted alongside you at this wondrous news when you know not how, you realize there is someone else in the room. Something about the atmosphere has shifted. A refraction of the light from the lamps seems to have occurred. You catch your breath and turn around slowly. Standing opposite you is a large man dressed entirely in brilliant white, and it appears he has been watching you for some time, smiling to himself. You are both terribly frightened, and yet utterly fascinated. He looks into your eyes uh, for another moment or two in this awful silence. Then, greetings, Mary, you who are highly favored. The Lord our God is with you. You stand there, looking over at him in dumbstruck silence. Who is this stranger? How did he get in? How does he know your name? He senses your fear. 
Do not be afraid, he says, with just an edge of softness now. For you are uh, dearly beloved by God, and you are going to be the mother of his son, a son you shall call Jesus. He will be great, this son of God. He will rule on the throne of your ancestor David, and his reign shall never end. You lean the broom against the wall and sit down. The stranger continues to stand there and watch you. You are thinking now again of Joseph. But how can this be, you ask? For I'm, I'm not even a married woman. Again, the man smiles, but broadly. You will be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And the baby will be born of you and he. Therefore, he will be called the Holy Son of God. I'm sure you have heard of the story of your cousin. Think of her. And then think of God's power to fulfill all his promises. At these words, a courage wells up within you. You stand back to your feet and face the man. I belong to the Lord, body and soul, you say. May the word of God be fulfilled. At this, the stranger disappears. Days later, having told no one of your encounter, having sat that evening through the longest dinner of your life, having explained to your parents and to Joseph that you wanted to go visit Elizabeth and Zachariah, having found a caravan to join up toward the hill country where they lived, having arrived to their town, having walked all alone to the door of their little house, you are knocking on Zachariah and Elizabeth's front door. Who is it? You hear from inside. You answer that it is you come to visit. You hear something drop to the floor inside. It shatters. There is then silence. Then, slowly, the sound of footsteps toward that front door. The door opens slowly, uncertainly. There is Elizabeth, and there are tears beginning to fall from her eyes. Blessed are you among women she whispers as she opens her arms to embrace you. And blessed is your child. What an honor it is to have the mother of my Lord come to see me. Why, as soon as your greeting reached my ears, the child within me jumped for joy. Elizabeth draws back to look at you fully. Oh, how happy is the woman who believes in God for he does make his promises to her come true. Now, you too have begun to cry, even though you're also laughing. And something else has begun happening too. You suddenly find that there are words rising upward from within your spirit, something from deep inside you. And standing there in Elizabeth's doorway, you begin to shout aloud, the worship of your God. 
My heart overflows with praises of my Lord. My whole soul is full of joy in God, who is my Savior. For he has taken the time to notice me, his humble servant. From now on, all the people who will ever live on the earth will call me the happiest of women. For the one who can do all things has done great things for me. Oh, holy is his name. Yes, for his mercy rests upon those who fear him in each generation. And he has shown the power of his arm, for he has swept away the high and the mighty. He has taken kings off their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He will satisfy the hungry with good things, sending away the rich empty-handed. Oh, yes! And he has delivered Israel, his child. He has remembered the mercy he promised to our forefathers, to Abraham and his sons forevermore. My friend, as you hear me describe all of this, I wish we were sitting together because I'd be wondering what you're hearing. What is sticking out to you about this familiar narrative looked at from different angles? What are you hearing? What is stirring your heart right now? Reach out to me. I'd love to know. But in the meantime, I'll go on. Because here's what I want to put before you today. I believe that not one of the circumstances or even the contributing factors to the incarnation and life of Jesus is not deeply meaningful for what he's working to do in all of our lives. Even the elements of his conception, even that half and half earthly spiritual reality of Mary's being his mother, I think they have lessons for us to learn about our new creation selves. In fact, listen to how the Apostle John described our standing with God in 1 John 3, and then I'm going to circle my way back through it. This is 1 John 3, 1 and 2. Consider the incredible love that the Father has shown us in allowing us to be called children of God. And that is not just what we are called, but what we are. Our heredity on the Godward side is no mere figure of speech, which explains why the world will no more recognize us than it recognized Christ. Oh, dear children of mine, forgive the affection of an old man. Have you realized it? Here and now we are God's children. We don't know what we shall become in the future. We only know that if reality were to break through, we should reflect his likeness, for we should see him as he really is. Again, that was 1 John 3, verses 1 and 2, and that was in the Phillips translation. And now, I just want to walk quickly back through it with just a couple of extra thoughts. So from the beginning, consider the incredible love that the Father has shown us in allowing us to be called children of God. And friends, Rather than me trying to whip up your emotion around this concept or to put it into clearer spiritual language so that you can sort of theologize it, let's simply consider in the presence of the Son of God to come what it means to become children of God who are essentially younger brothers and sisters to Him, the Son of God. If He is the pattern 
What is the pattern? Well, what was Mary told of him? That his very identity would be the freedom of salvation. After all, his name is the Lord saves. That he would be glorified unto greatness. And that again, he would be a son of God himself. So he will be of royal blood. He will be immortal. He will be born of the Holy Spirit. He will be himself holy. And he is the proof of all the promises of God. So now listen to John go on. And that is not just what we are called, but what we are. Our heredity on the Godward side is no mere figure of speech. So if it is no mere figure of speech, then it is to merely to be understood and believed and lived, which means what? Well, that we are to understand, live, and believe the following facts about our sonship, our daughtership alongside Jesus. Friends, that we are free in his salvation and freed to free, that we are great and glorious in his sight, and that again, we are actually sons and daughters of God. We are heavenly royalty. We are immortal. We have been born again of the Spirit. We are now already holy, and we are proofs of the promises of God. Friends, again, this is who we are now. I'll go on. This explains why the world will no more recognize us than it recognized Christ. And I have to tell you, just this week, I was doing a reading of the final chapter of C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, and I want you to listen to how he describes these children of God who have come into their own. This is so rich. Again, from the last chapter, which I think is chapter 11 of book four of Mere Christianity. Just, just listen. Lewis describes them. Every now and then, one meets them. Their very voices and faces are different from ours, stronger, quieter, happier, more radiant. They begin where most of us leave off. They are, I say, recognizable, but you must know what to look for. They will not be very like the idea of religious people, which you have formed from your general reading. They do not draw attention to themselves. You tend to think that you are being kind to them when they are really being kind to you. They love you more than other men do, but they need you less. They will usually seem to have a lot of time. You will wonder where it comes from. When you have recognized one of them, you will recognize the next one much more easily. And I strongly suspect that they recognize one another immediately and infallibly across every barrier of color, sex, class, age, and even of creeds. In that way, to become holy is rather like joining a secret society. To put it at the very lowest, it must be great fun. I'll keep reading. Oh, dear children of mine, forgive the affection of an old man. Have you realized it? Here and now, 
We are God's children. We don't know what we shall become in the future. We only know that if reality were to break through, we should reflect His likeness, for we should see Him as He really is. I'll give you two things on this last section and then close. The first, the verb tensing in the Greek here is just powerful. In fact, here's a direct translation with a couple of verb explanations so you can see what I mean. Listen. Beloved, we are now, present tense, children of God. Meaning, again, that's a fact right now. What we will be, future tense, has not yet been revealed. And that's in the aorist passive, which the meaning of is, Well, this revelation has duration. It's ongoing. We know, perfect tense, meaning this knowledge has already arrived and yet has continuing results in perpetuity. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. For we will see him, future tense, as he is. And then secondly, and in the spirit of Lewis's comment that All of this is meant to be great fun. Well, I want you to do something for me. Wherever you're sitting right now, would you actually put your hand on your heart? And this is, remember, just where he is actively living by his spirit right now. And would you let me pronounce those words back to you like an anthem of belief? Would you... Listen right now as I close with fresh ears to 1 John 3's opening and frankly, take it to heart for me. All right, listen. Consider the incredible love that the Father has shown to you in allowing you to be called a child of God. And that is not just what you are called, but what you are. Your heredity on the Godward side is no mere figure of speech, which explains why the world will no more recognize you than it recognized him. Oh, my dear friends, forgive the affection of a middle-aged man. Have you realized it? Here and now, you are God's son or God's daughter. You don't know what you shall become in the future. You only know that if reality were to break through, you will reflect his likeness for you shall see him as he really is. Thanks so much for listening.